Please turn with me in your Bibles once more to Psalm number 89. Psalm number 89. And we're going to look at the last four verses we read there a moment ago. We're going to look for our preaching at verses 15, verses 16, verses 17, and verses 18 of Psalm number 89. And we're going to look at it under the title, The People of the King. The People of the king. Psalm number 89 is a psalm of celebration. It is a psalm exalting a great and mighty covenant keeping king. It exalts a great king who is chosen. That is David. And ultimately, of course, we know that it points toward the greater David. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it brings us here to these verses, verses 15, 16, 17, and 18, which read, Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name shall they rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. For thou art the glory of their strength, and in thy favor our horn shall be exalted for the Lord is our defense and the Holy One of Israel is our King and as the psalm brings us to this part it brings us to those who are the people of the King and I pray that we are all in the truest sense of the word people of the great and mighty King spoken about here in these verses Now, when we read through the psalm, we see a great deal of respect being paid to this great covenant-keeping king of whom we are part. Now, we live in a time where respect of people in authority is very strange. We live in a time when often if people try to show respect maybe towards the Taoiseach or the president in, in the Republic of Ireland that it would seem almost strange. In the Western world, there's often protests, isn't there, of every leader that you can think of. They might lift up something that says, not my president, I've seen that in America. Or perhaps in London, I saw somebody lifting up a sign uh, when King Charles was about to be coronated, not my king. There's probably things in Dublin, people saying, not my Taoiseach, or... I don't know if there has been such protests of that nature. But it's almost seen as brave today, isn't it? To show disrespect and dishonor towards people in authority. Now, those people are sinful. They may get things wrong. But we live in a time when we can show open hostility towards those in opposition. Now, what does it say if we say... Well, not my king, or not my president, or not my Taoiseach, or whatever the phrase may be. What are we saying? I'm not going to listen to that man. I'm not going to listen to that woman. He is not my ruler, or she is not my ruler. But here's the thing, friends. Does our rejection of the king ever remove that king, or president, or whoever it is, from power? Never. We don't have that kind of say. We don't have that kind of power. Reality keeps going on. 
The reality is they will still be in power. And the reality is Jesus, whether we accept him or reject him, will always be on the throne. He will always be there in power. Now, we often forget too, when we see such expressions of rejection of authority, that this is very strange in history. If you read a history book, And somebody came up to the king or the president, whoever it is, or the emperor, and said, you're not my my ruler. What would probably happen? How long would that person be even allowed to live? Think about it. For most of human history, that was the norm. If, If you went against the king or the queen, it would be seen as treason, and there might even be the death penalty. An act of rebellion against the rule and reign of the rightful king. Because it's a great privilege to be a citizen of any country. It's a privilege. Now, unless you're in a country where the leader is a horrible tyrant, then it's a great suffering. But we are under, as Christians, under the greatest ruler and leader there can be. The Lord Jesus the Christ. And be one of his people. To be part of the people of the king. Is a great and wonderful privilege. Regardless of what's going on in the world. Regardless of how crazy things may be. Regardless of how many things are going on in the news. It's a great privilege to be here this morning. It's a great privilege to hear the voice of the shepherd. It's a great privilege to be bought. And and part of the body of Christ. He shed his blood for each and every person who has trusted in him. This covenant-keeping king. The one, the chosen one, who's been given everything in heaven and on earth. The one whom nothing in heaven and earth can compare. Isn't this amazing? And we see this in the previous verses before verse 15. The one who's in control of everything. The one who crushes and scatters his enemies. And he does it Justly, righteously, in a holy manner. And the question is here this morning, are you one of his people? How do you know if you're one of his people? Or how do you know if you're not one of the people who are in your own heart holding up that placard saying, not my king? Maybe you wouldn't say it outwardly. But maybe in your heart you say it. Maybe in your actions you say it. Are you a follower Of the king of kings and the lord of lords. The one who's going to be still reigning and ruling in a thousand years. In ten thousand years time. And that is the question for us here this morning. Do you follow the king? Are you one of his people? The first point we're going to look at. We're going to look at these verses under four headings. And the first one is the voice to be heard. The voice to be heard. Verse 15 says this. The first half of verse 15. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. Now, the boys and girls who are here this morning. Children. I wonder if you know the sound of your mommy or your daddy's voice. Do you know when you hear daddy's voice? When you hear mommy's voice. And when do you really want to hear their voice? Maybe you had a bad dream. 
Maybe you're very sad about something. Maybe you fell off your bike. Maybe you got lost in the supermarket and you're going, where are they gone? You want to hear, don't you? You want to hear the voice of your mommy or your daddy. Because it's very comforting, isn't it? To hear the voice of your mommy or your daddy. You don't want to hear the voice of a stranger. The stranger will come trying to help and then, no, no, I don't want your help. You want the voice of your mommy or your daddy. And you know their voice very clearly. It's a happy sound. It's a joyful sound to hear the voice of your parents. Especially if you've had a bad dream or something is in need of comfort. Now, we all know this, don't we? We all know that certain voices to our ears are really comforting. They're really soothing. And we're all blessed that God has given us parents. The ability to know or distinguish one voice from another voice. Now here in our text it talks about a joyful sound. And the idea here is a festive or a celebration sound. That's kind of the idea here. Uh, It says, blessed is the people that know the joyful sound or the festive sound. Or, and it's kind of got this idea of of a musical instrument, kind of a wood instrument. And it could be like a trumpet. Or like a very early version of a trombone if you play music. It's a loud wind instrument that is a celebration instrument. Which really says, pay attention. This is important what is being said here from the voice of Almighty God. We have been given the ability to know the difference between the sound of a, of a guitar and the sound of a trumpet, haven't we? And we've been given the ability to know the difference between the voice of the one who is soothing to us, comforting to us, and the voice of a stranger. We know their voice. Many of you most likely know that I have identical twins. Myself and my wife, we have identical twins. And I can tell their voices apart. There's other things I can tell apart from them, in them. You probably struggle, you probably go, who's who? And you probably be scratching your heads and finding it really difficult. But their voices are different. Isn't that interesting? So we can distinguish and tell them apart, know their voice. But, dear friends, this morning, do you know the voice of God? That sound that comes from God. That blessing it is to know the joyful sound. That voice that comes with authority. And it's a joyful sound if you've repented and trusted in Jesus Christ. Because you love to hear what he has to say to you. It's a wonderful thing to hear from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you will not be holding up that placard, will you? Not. My king? No, 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 no. You will wish to hear from the king. Because it is welcome what he's saying. If we reject the rule of this king, what will we think of the word of the living God? Will we read it? Will we love it? Will we share it? Will we wish to hide it in our hearts? Do you embrace and celebrate even the rule of The king. That joyful sound. Now, who are those who will celebrate the voice of the king? When they hear the voice of the king and they hear that joyful sound, how 
will they react? If we turn to Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 14. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 14. And you'll find this right after the book of Ecclesiastes. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 14, says this. And, and this is the church speaking about her husband. Oh, my dove, thou art in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs. Let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice. For sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. Isn't that a wonderful phrase? For sweet is thy voice. That's a joyful sound. To hear from God. And it's only those. Who are are going to be those who are going to find the word of God joyful? Who are going to find it something to celebrate and something to share and to praise God over? Well, it's only those who have got spiritual life who are born again. If you're not born again, this is not joyful at all. It's actually going to be something that will not give you comfort and peace you'll read the word of God and it will condemn you because there is no peace for those outside of Jesus Christ there is no rest outside of Jesus Christ how do you know if you have life how do you know if you're one of the people of the king evidence of life evidence of life a living body will walk around and breathe and will will talk will do different things that a living body will do will a spiritual body will do things that a, a, a body will do that is alive and what will it do it will know the voice it will know the joyful sound the unbeliever does not have comfort in this voice in the bible what does it become we said earlier it's almost like a trumpet it becomes like a voice of warning It becomes something that thunders against them. It becomes something that torments. It is loud and warning. Those who have not repented of their sins. Those who are not part of the people of God. So what is it for you, dear friends, here this morning? Is the word of God, rightly understood, of course, a comfort to you? For the believer, the word is a comfort. It is refreshing. It is sweet to the ear. His voice is comely. But if you've not been born again of the Spirit of God, if you're trusting in your own works, the Word of God will be something that shatters that confidence that you have in your own works before God. So our second point now, our second point is the light to be seen. So we've looked at the voice to be heard. Now number two, the light to be seen. The light to be seen. Verse 15 once again. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. Light brings comfort. Now I wonder if there are any boys and girls here that you still leave on the light maybe at night. Anyone here that still leaves on the light at night? Maybe you have a night light. Maybe there's a little crack in the door that leaves a little bit of light in so that you can fall asleep and you're not scared. Why do you do that? Because darkness is not comforting, is it? Light is 
comforting. And you may still be afraid of the dark. But why is that? Because light is warm. Light is inviting. Light is something that is wonderful. That shows us things as they are. Does it make sense to hate the light? Verse 15 once again. They shall walk, O Lord. These are the blessed people. These are the blessed people of the king. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. Where does this light come from? For the people of the king. It comes from the Lord's countenance as is translated here. Or literally even the Lord's face from before the Lord. Now the Lord literally doesn't have a face. But this is an expression to show that the Lord is light. And in him is no darkness at all. 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 tells us this. Now why is that important? Why does John and 1 John writing under the inspiration of the spirit of almighty God say. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Well he is not a mixture of light and darkness. He's not a little bit of a shadow here. Actually, James writes in James 1.17 that there is no shadow of turning in him at all. His light is unchanging and unchangeable. His light never changes. Now you might say, well, why does that matter? Well, if you've got a flashlight and you flash it across the room, it would, get, it would diminish. One light can't cover the entire room. You need many lights in the room. The light will diminish over time. Not this light. This infinite light. This light which will never diminish. Never diminish in the Father. Never diminish in the Son. Nor nor will it diminish in the Holy Spirit. Everlasting to everlasting. This light is unlike any other light. It will never diminish. It is pure light. It is pure goodness. It is pure comfort to the person who will trust in Jesus. To the person who says to darkness, no, you are not my friend. And to the light that you will flee there. This is not light that will have shadows. This is light that is pure. Now, boys and girls... Well, you keep the light on because you're scared sometimes, don't you? And some of, maybe farmers here, you're out in the middle of a field, maybe you have a flashlight. Why will you have such a thing? Why would you just not walk around in the dark, in the middle of an open field? It's kind of dangerous, isn't it? It's dangerous to walk around in the dark without light. And it's very comforting, isn't it? Once you turn on that light, it's very comforting. If you've got a flashlight, the batteries are starting to go. When you see it flickering, you're starting to get a bit nervous, aren't you? You get worried. There's no comfort in that. We are blind without light. Now, you may be in the middle of a field, and maybe there's moonlight being shone on the field, and you can see parts of it. But you need that light. Without light, you see nothing. You see nothing as it is, and you may even begin to imagine what it may be in front of you. You don't know what's in front of you. You don't know the obstacles that face you. 
You can't know how to, you may trip over things and you don't know what it is. You will hurt yourself and not know what you've fallen over. And that is the spiritual life without the light of Christ. It is the spiritual life without the word of God. This is why you need to be in your Bible daily. We will charge our batteries and our phones every day. But do we, could say, recharge our spiritual walk with him every single day. As we come to him to hear that light. That it's light that walks, it helps us to know where to walk or where to go. Doesn't that make more sense? Spiritually, in every other way, we need light. The people of God are alive and can see light. Now the problem is, if you have not got eyes to see, will you see this light? Will you wish to run toward it? If you don't have eyes to see, what will be your opinion of light? Probably you think it's not very impressive because you can't see how wonderful it is. Dead people cannot see life. They actually love darkness rather than light. It doesn't make any sense, does it? In one way. But if we've got eyes to see, we will run to the light away from darkness. Jesus says this. It says in John chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world. And men loved darkness. Rather than light because their deeds were evil. Isn't that amazing? What do you think about it? Men loved darkness. We're just talking about these different examples in life. Does it make any sense that we would love darkness? One of the greatest inventions of the last 200 years has been the light bulb. Because we like light. We love electricity, don't we, in our homes. We like that we can put on a switch and there is light. We are so blessed to be people of the king because we have light. It's the word of the living God. They will love that light, the people of the king. It says in Psalm 119, 105, verse 105, Thy word is a a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do we see this light? And if we see this light and how wonderful this light is, do you read it? Do you read it? Do you see that it is light in a a dark place? And without this, you're complete darkness. That you need the Holy Spirit as well to open your eyes to see how good it is. That you pray to understand. Now we will struggle. We all struggle with our reading of the word of God. Sometimes we read more. Sometimes we struggle more with our reading and other things. Sometimes we, we seem to almost go through the motions. Now we shouldn't, but we do. We have to admit we are sinners. We struggle at times. We have times of discouragement and trial and difficulty. And perhaps maybe you're at a stage of life when reading the word of God is very physically difficult. Well, there's maybe audio Bibles or maybe a friend of yours can read some of the scriptures to you. But whatever it is, make sure that the word of God, you saturate your life as much as possible with the word of God. 
Use every available means that is. Follow this light that it would shine in your life. And then there would be more evidence to show that you have life. And the more evidence that they're seen in your life that you love. You love this book. You love the word of God. So that when you breathe your last breath. You'll know where you're going. You won't have to wonder. That the Lord would give you sweet and wonderful assurance on your last moments. That you will be. That this will be said to you. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Welcomed into the presence of joy and blessing. Our third point is the glory to be declared. The glory to be declared. Now with the light that is to be seen. That is to shine forth. Now we have the glory to be declared. If you have something special in your life. Something special. Something wonderful. Something unique. Unlike anything else, most of the time you don't keep that to yourself, do you? It's something that is to be declared. Now, in verse 16 of our text, it says this, In thy name shall they, that is the people of the king, rejoice all the day. And in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. In thy name. Why Can we declare and say how special and how wonderful and how joyful it is to know God? Because we know thy name, the name of the king, the reputation of the king, the fame of the king, the renown of the king, the fame of the king. Because he's so great. We're so great. In our modern day, if we have a favorite football player or whoever it is, and they do something amazing, what do people do? goes all over social media doesn't it it goes all over youtube and people say oh have you seen this and they'll see millions of views and they think it's amazing well how many of these players or whoever it is has spoken the world into existence and the lord said let there be light and there was light we are but dust and ashes compared to god all of us the greatest amongst us Are but dust and ashes. It is his fame. His reputation that we are to exalt. When we come to him in worship. For without this knowledge. You know what can happen. When we come to God in worship. We can go through the motions. And we can forget how great this God is. Whom we come before. Can't we? We can almost just. Oh yeah this is how I get to heaven. Forgetting the reason why heaven is so wonderful is because God is wonderful. And that is where the blessed presence of God is. Where the blessings of God is. Now God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. But his special presence and blessing is in heaven. Because that's why heaven is so wonderful. He is righteous. Everything he does is the right thing to do. And it is not just that he does the right thing. It is because it is his nature to do the right thing. He is good. He doesn't just do good things. He is goodness itself. In verse 17 it says this. For thou art the glory of their strength. Just the first half of that verse. For thou art the glory of their strength. Now here we have kind of language. It's almost like a type of Ornament, for thou art the glory of their strength. This word glory. 
You know, sometimes we wear jewellery or some people wear something nice that it's something to almost boast, you could say. And this is kind of the idea of this verse here, for thou art the glory of their strength. We all boast in something. What do we boast in? Do we boast in our children? Do we boast in our achievements? Do we boast in whatever we have, a countryside, whatever it is? Or do we boast in God? We all boast in something. One of those things I mentioned will be there in 10,000 years' time. The others won't. The others will be changed. The others are temporal and will be changed. We will never get tired, dear friends, in heaven with glorified, after our glorification. We will never get tired of worshipping God. Isn't that going to be wonderful? If we were still here in 10 hours' time and we were still in a worship service, you'd probably go, whoa, this is, this is long. Okay. But if we were there for 10,000 years in heaven, it would be like the first moment. Wonderful. Sweet. Just as one. We'll never get tired of it. We'll never grow weary in heaven. Ever. And isn't that wonderful to... to in, in, we're going to be there forever and ever. We better like worshiping. Think about it. Worship is but a taste of heaven. This morning in this building is a taste of heaven. The Lord coming down and meeting with his people in a special way. And we have him to boast about. His glory, his greatness. Almost, you could say, to show off. That's what we tell others about. We are nothing. But God is everything. We'll never get tired of his greatness in the world to come. But how about in this world? Do we see it here? I know today we struggle. We, we, we have days where we see it more than others. But we, yet we see his beauty. Yet in a limited way, but we see it. We see it in a limited way the glory of God. And we will what do with that? The more we see of it, the more we see of it, the more we're likely to boast of it. And the more we're likely to boast of it, the more we're likely to tell others about it. When do you see that mostly? Revival. When the Spirit of God comes down and God's people have a renewed love for the Word, and then it spills out. It, it doesn't just happen with people outside coming into the church, it begins with the people of God and then it flows out from there. That's a revival. And then they see once again. The greatness of God. You notice how I'm not saying, yes, we want people to be saved. But it's a people captivated by the greatness of God. That's revival. That's revival. A greater taste of heaven to come. Greater worship and communion with our God. Because otherwise, if we don't see the greatness of our God, we will look within for enjoyment. We will look within for satisfaction. We will look to other mere creatures. For glory. We need to look to God. We need to look to God. We need to boast about our king. Here's our monarch. The Lord Jesus Christ. He's our king. We're, we are so glad. As his people of his, this heavenly country. To be part of this kingdom. 
and to give him all the praise, all the honor that is due to his name. And his favor, this glorious king, is what we need. And we declare it because we rejoice in him. And finally, number four, we're going to look at the shield to be trusted. The shield to be trusted. So we've looked at number one, the voice to be heard, the light to be seen, the glory to be declared. And finally, number four, the shield to be trusted. The shield to be trusted. Now, why do we need a shield? It says in verse 18, For the Lord is our defense, and the Holy One of Israel is our King. He's our defense. This is the Lord Jehovah is our defense. Why do we need defense? We may not see this all around us. We may think in maybe a country like Ukraine. Well, they need defense. They need protection. But friends, every one of us are involved in a war. Whether we see it or not. And that war did not begin a few years ago. It began at the beginning. 6,000 years ago. Adam falls. And in Adam all die. That's when the war began. Genesis chapter 3 Verse 15, there's a promise made that the seed of a woman, of a woman, will crush the head of the serpent. There's enmity, God says, between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And we still see that hostility, that enmity, that division still to this day. Put it another way, there's a division, there's hostility between the people of God and the people outside of God. The people of God and the people of their father, the devil. And that is the war that is taking place. And in any war, usually wars are won, often not by the weapons used. Weapons are important too. But by the defense and the protection that the winning side has. If you're going to have any hope of winning, you need good defense. Sometimes I'd watch these documentaries about ancient Rome. And Greece, and if you've ever watched those, you'll see these impressive, huge uh, shields that they have and they're moving forward together. And they often won with small numbers, some of these armies, because of the, the protection that they had was superior to the people they were fighting against. It's special defenses. But what is your defense in battle? As a people of the king, the king of kings and lord of lords, when you go out into battle, and you might say, well, where's the battle? It's everywhere. It's in your workplace. Maybe you have an unsaved boss. Maybe you're selling things at the market, and maybe everybody you encounter is not a Christian and very hostile to your Christian values. There are evidences of the war taking place all around you. There's death. There's suffering. This is the evidences of the war that we see all around us. And we need good defense. And the only defense we need is God. For the Lord is our defense. Are you confident in him to protect you? And if you're a soldier, you need to trust in your helmet. You need to trust your gun. You need to trust the armor that you're wearing around. You need to trust that equipment that you had. If we read in in the scriptures about David before he's about to fight Goliath. And he doesn't quite have confidence 
in the armor. He hasn't used it. He puts it aside. But he realizes all the time that his armor is God. God is his defense. God is his protector. So that's why he goes forward in confidence. That's why he's able to slay Goliath. He's trusting and he's gone. We need to trust in the Lord in times of difficulty. There are many tracks I've seen over the years. Gospel tracks. And I, I praise God that people are sending out gospel tracks. And, but sometimes I've seen gospel tracks where it will make it seem like if you trust in Jesus, your problems are over. And there might even be a big smile on the front of the tract. Friends, that is not biblical Christianity. It's not. That is maybe therapy, it's something, but it's not biblical Christianity. There's a sense in which as soon as you come to know the Lord, in one sense, your problems have just begun. It's not a very attractive message to the world, is it? And what do you mean by that? The world, the flesh, and the devil have just declared war on you. What is your defense? What is your protection? What is your place of refuge in the times of war? The Ukrainians are are seeking refuge right now because they're in a place of war. There's war zones around the world. We're in a war zone. Where's our place of protection? Where's our defense? And friends, if it is God, if the defense is God, what can the enemy truly do against us? Not very much. Not very much. And we should have that confident boldness Because we have God as our defense. Yes, it's difficult. I'm not saying this is easy. Of course it's not. But if God is your defense, it should give you confidence. Because he's your king. He is your king. And it's a wonderful thing to go out into the world and to say that Jesus is your king and your defense. Now, as we said earlier, we may outwardly say to other Christians and Maybe even to members of the church. Jesus is my king. But what about in our hearts? Has our hearts said. In a real way of love. From the inner man. Jesus is my king. Or are our hearts still at the moment where. Yes outwardly I want to say that Jesus is my king. But inwardly. I still have that placard up saying. Not my king. That's a dangerous place to be at. And you say, are there examples in the scripture of people who have done that? Judas did that. Everyone thought that Judas was truly born again. No one thought, ah, yes, Judas. Of course, he's, he's always been dodgy. No. What is your heart desiring? Is it God? Is it the light? Is it truth? What do you delight in? Do you delight in the sound? Is it a joyful sound? Is the word of God joyful to you? Or is it thundering warning against you? This very day. And if it is thundering warning. If it's not giving you comfort dear friends. Flee from the wrath to come. Seek delight in Christ. You see notice how I'm not just saying look. Go through the motions and just turn up to church. Friends, Christianity is not about doing all the things that you find boring and then going doing them. 
Christianity is about repenting from the heart. The things that you once loved, you have now said no to, and you now embrace a new love. That is Jesus Christ. And now you've embraced a new way of living. And not just doing things, but loving to follow the king. Enjoying to be in the fellowship of Christians. And to enjoy delight and pleasures in his presence, both now and forevermore. Amen.